So everybody in the group decided to learn a skill before they came. You played my butt like jazz with poise and skill and willingness to improvise. I have people skills. So talented and so sexy, too. I mean, you can be uh, a star on television and, and not have any talent. I mean, look at Vanilla Ice. Boom, there you go. I mean, here's a guy. And he, but no, he's, he's also gone, and that's what you don't want to happen. Thank you for listening to Hog Story. And in the immortal words of Tim the Toolman Taylor, when he just saw a new skill saw, uh, I'm Fletcher. And I have gained a new skill, podcasting. I am not Carolyn. I am Serpent. Hey-o. Hey-o. Boop, boop, boom, you're a skeleton. Jack attack. Joe Biden said, come, and most of them come with a phone number. Most of them do. And it's oh, a messy hell yeah. Serpent, welcome. Fletcher, hi. Thank you thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for joining me, man. It was like last minute, 15 minutes before the show even started. You're a true. I, liter- I literally didn't know I was going to do this. I was just going to be like, oh, I'm going to listen to the show and maybe mess around with some you know code that i'm doing in my spare time and then bam i'm whipping a mic out and i'm uh doing a podcast is this your first time doing a podcast pretty much pretty much cool very cool i uh i appreciate it man and uh happy monday oh yes happy monday happy Happy boxing day oh it is boxing day have you done any boxing today? Uh, no, but I opened a box today at work and I th- kind of wanted to punch something in the face. Yeah. Because, of course, you know, corporate IT, they they have a thing uh, break on me. And it's only, you know, something that I need to do my job for the day. Oh. And it was down all day, so I could barely do any work, but... Who cares? <laughs> hey, uh, did they pay you regardless? Oh, God, yes. Hell, yes. And it's a Monday. And it is. Thanks, David Lynch. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, um, Carolyn is off enjoying her boxing day. And uh, I was going to do the, so- the show solo, but surprisingly, that makes me pretty nervous. And so uh, I was all set to do it, honestly, and then I... Uh, I was like, hell, why don't I ask if somebody wants to do it with me? And you were cool enough to do it. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah, and you say you're nervous. I'm a little nervous, but uh, I got drinks. Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've got uh, one of my Christmas presents. Sweet. It is some uh, old granddad Kentucky straight bourbon. Oh, yeah. 114 proof. Man, old granddad wasn't fucking around. No, and I'm drinking it neat. Oh, so nice. uh, uh, yeah. Old granddad I got some, bourbon, I, huh? Yeah, oh, I got I some see. water here too, so I'm not too uh, fucked up by the end of the show. <laughs> Smart. I like the bottle there. the uh, The old man looks old. 
Yeah, he does. He definitely does. Uh, did you have a good Christmas? Uh, we did have a good Christmas here at, at the house. Um, it, it was a little bit of a surprising Christmas. Normally, Christmas is just uh, me, my parents, and my Uncle John, but then my Uncle... Well, not my uncle. My Aunt Barb came over, like, sort of, uh, you know, last minute. Oh. So so the th- thing with that is, is that my Uncle Hank, he passed away, like, a, a month ago. And so my mom said, like, well, we're not going to let her have Christmas alone. So she uh, she came over and had Christmas dinner with us. Well, oh, that's really nice. Um, how old is she? Uh... Retirement age. Oh, okay. Okay. You got kids? Uh, yeah, yeah. One adult child. Actually, she has, uh, she's a granddaughter now. Wow. Um, yeah. No, pr- pretty much I am on that side of the family, my dad's side of the family. I am like the second youngest, uh, grandchild of my grandparents. And the next youngest one is only like, six months younger than me oh okay okay so like the 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 parentage is is like much older is that what you're saying yeah yeah my my dad is the youngest of seven kids ah okay okay it's kind of like that with my dad he's uh he's number nine of 11 damn yeah his oldest brother was like way way old like 20 something years older than him jeez yeah um yeah yeah which i had an aunt barb too uh she passed away a long time ago because she was old she was the oldest kid i think Ah. or she was the oldest girl anyway out of out of all them but yeah family's fun man uh i spent christmas um went on a fun adventure to uh hot springs arkansas and some areas around it Went uh, digging around in the dirt for quartz crystals. Oh, what are you doing with them? Do what? I was just saying, what are you doing with, with quartz oh, crystals? Oh, just, uh, I, I like finding them. It's, it's fucking cool that they're just in the ground, you know? <laughs> I mean, it seems really simple. <laughs> like, yes, gemstones come from the ground. But we, uh, I don't remember what, what, little town it was it was um uh wegner mines uh, that was the company and it was like 30 miles out of hot springs we had to drive and then once we got there they had us all pile up in the back of this old work truck and uh we drove up the side of a mountain to uh this big hole in the ground it wasn't like going down into a mine you know with a hard hat and a light on the top or anything um it was just an open open hole <laughs> And uh, they just pretty much say, here you go, get after it. They just dig it up with a backhoe and uh, pile up the dirt. Uh, but we were the first ones to go through that dirt. And you can also go get down into the hole and, and dig in there. But it was, it was like a quarter full of water. So, uh, and it was cold. So I wasn't getting down in the water. But I did find some pretty interesting uh, specimens, uh, some clusters. Uh, some good clusters actually nothing too like crazy huge or anything but for me for just digging it out of the ground myself worth the 20 dollars per person 
I went with my girlfriend and her two kids who are uh, 11 and 13. And uh, that was fun. They had a they had a blast. They found some really good ones. Uh, and they weren't even trying. That's what was great. Those are always the best ones though, when you're not even trying. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like I use the quartz for anything. Uh, if I if I could find the gear for cheap, you know, then getting old electronic test equipment, like a uh, especially a um, frequency generator, then I would totally be hooking these crystals up to some electrodes and vi- vibrating the shit out of them. Just to see. <laughs> Just to see. Because, like, the piezoelectric properties of quartz is really interesting to me. And who the fuck figured that out? You know? Um... Uh- yeah, just so, like all the great uh, science discoveries, it it's basically by some guy just fucking around. It must have been. It must have been. Just fucking around, you hit it with a hammer, gives off an electric signal. And then the inverse is also true. Like, you hit it with an electric signal, and it moves. You get mechanical motion out of it. Crazy. He had his thinking yeah. cap on that day. That's what it was. Yeah, my... my uh my favorite sort story of science comes from a, uh, you know, a guy at MIT. He goes to play around with a weather weather model on a computer. This was back in like the late fifties, early sixties. He goes to get a coffee. Well, first of all, he he goes to ch- check on the the output of this model that he's that he's writing, and he's like, "Oh, cool!" So he checks on it. Then he puts the puts you know the the state of what his printout was back into the machine and he goes to get a coffee and uh, he comes back and some of his output is just wrong like it's just wacky it's all over the place and they find out that the significant digits or like the the digits that were truncated off of uh, the printout, they ended up being significant, huh. and so what? And so what you learn is that when you have these models, they they produce errors, and then they propagate the errors, and they build you know even more error off of the error. Oh, and that is, and that is why, uh, you know, medium range weather models they 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 are reliable to a point and then at some point into the future they kind of they start they kind of yeah they they start to have unreliable output like after say 7 days or so it's been a while since I've uh, looked at these things but after you know say 7 days or so then they have really unreliable output before they started charging for them i used to look at all the different types of forecast maps on AccuWeather. Yeah. And for a while, they just had them buried in some menus. Um, so they weren't necessarily easy to get to. Um, and then they just took them off altogether and made you pay for it. Because uh, most, you know, uh, local weather and all that kind of shit, it all says on the bottom of the screen, powered by AccuWeather. It's like, well, then why am I watching you? <laughs> I can just go check AccuWeather. Yeah, or, yeah. Or paying an exorbitant fee to get the same shit you're getting. Yeah, that's yeah, and uh, and that kind of ex- extends to broadcast meteorology just in general. Yeah, well, the, the you, Weather Channel does it. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it, I, I, I mean, I look at a, I look at job postings for uh, meteorologists because, spoiler alert, I went to school to be a meteorologist. Hey and and all they care about uh, is like the broadcast people. All they care about is, um, is you know. How is your on-screen presence? How is your mm. social media presence? How, how can you how handle can a two-button clicker? How can you make content? That kind of thing. They don't give a shit about, you know, forecasting or, you know, weather analysis or anything. How are you at standing up in 90-mile-per-hour winds? <laughs> it, oh, yeah. that Yeah, that's the, that's the, the Jim Cantori test yeah, right yeah. there. What do you look like in a rain slick? <laughs> again I, yeah how do, how do you look uh in in this parka with a with a microphone uh in the middle of a hurricane <laughs> excellent you're hired <laughs> so you went exactly. to school for meteorology yes did they did. teach you like the actual way of of gathering weather data and then and then making a prediction from that like the barometric pressure and all that kind of shit yeah well well mostly they they come from uh they you can get maps so yeah, they, like they give from you noah or something they, they yeah they, you can get from from noah as far as data collection is concerned data collection is usually either from satellite or radar um, there are some, uh, the, or, you know, the traditional stations at the surface and actually they're not strictly at the, supposed to be at the surface. They're supposed to be, I think, two meters above the surface. Oh. And, uh, but, but what they teach you in undergrad is, uh, the synoptic level and the synoptic level is the level of, uh, cyclones and the uh life cycle of a cyclone oh okay. and actually and actually what you see is you at when you break down that you don't necessarily look at the surface you look at the uh the structure of the atmosphere uh usually on a continental scale you know horizontally right but like uh five to six kilometers into the atmosphere oh okay at least for say you know geopotential height and then there are also uh some upper scale dynamics that can happen even higher usually at oh i want to say nine kilometers it's e it's easy for me to say 300 millibars because when meteorologists look at a map they they look at maps of uh constant pressure mm -hmm. and that and that uh corresponds mostly to height but if like say the 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 300 millibar surface is lower it, it means that it means that you have a have a uh, you have a trough in pressure and so like uh, higher in the atmosphere you go the the lower the pressure so the millibars would be less yes okay exactly okay because I remember so, them so saying about, like, I think it was Katrina, how it had a record low uh, millibar reading. It was like 800 and something. 
Yeah, I don't know the the exact. Uh, I forget too. The I'm exact not number, right but it. but yeah, eight hundred and eighty. No, because even because that that year Wilma, in that in that same uh, TC season in the Atlantic, Wilma had actually a uh, a lower uh, lower. Um, oh, oh, I didn't say a, a lower lowest. Lowest uh, pressure or whatever. Lowest, yeah, barometric pressure than oh, okay. Katrina did. A- am I wrong for like when I visualize hurricanes? I think of them like the water spinning in a drain, but upside down, where the water's like not necessarily the water's like going up into the atmosphere, but that's where the lowest pressure is kind of centered toward, like that cone is going up into the air. Um, actually, no, because because um, actually, TCs are are much different from even mid latitude. Yeah, cyclones because mid latitude cyclones they do have. Uh, they're, they're cyclonic all the way around like the like the wind uh, prof- the horizontal wind profiles it's, it's always uh, spinning counterclockwise in the northern hemisphere around a, uh, around a low okay with TCs they are they spin counterclockwise around a low at the surface. And say, I want to say up to, oh, at least up to uh, three kilometers into the atmosphere. And then at a point, uh, it, it actually bulges from the center um, of, a, of a column of air. So at the upper atmosphere near the tropopause, it's actually cyclonic. So, it, so when you see that... Um, when you see like a satellite shot of a of a hurric of a i would say a mature hurricane that would be you would say uh like a classic one would be at least uh category four or maybe even three on the saffir simpson scale oh yeah that, but like what, something what like right before it makes landfall when it's like its strongest that, yeah, right, yeah right right well I'll, well major hurricanes with yeah. for for all the ones that get all the the media attention yeah um but what you're actually seeing on the uh, satellite image you're actually seeing the outflow because what happens is you have this inflow that comes at the surface and then it goes up through uh sort of the center and then out at the top of the uh at the top of the atmosphere oh oh okay okay and 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 it actually spins cyclonically outward. Oh, like a like a toroidal kind of shape. Uh, yeah, it, like a donut? it is. It is kind of donut shaped. Huh. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, it is. No. You usually when you see an eye wall, so you see that the classic eye in the middle of a of a storm. Mm-hmm. That that is. That is usually only seen in pretty, you know, pretty uh, extreme circumstances. Really? Like, like a, like a particular, like, yeah, like a particularly uh, uh, strong tropical cyclone. That's when you see them. Oh, you don't, okay. You okay. don't see them in all TCs. Oh, okay. So the wind speed has to reach like a certain point, and uh, and the 
what the uh, the like the structure of all the clouds in it have to be uh, at a certain level, and like I guess you're saying all the factors yeah, it, have to it, be it, just right. It's yeah, it's actually the latter. It's not ha with the wind speed. It actually has to do with you know convective uh, organization. Oh, okay, okay. It's very informative, man. I like this. Um, and so, oh, stuff is blowing down because the wind's blowing now. Um, I guess the wind hurt us, and it's like I want to blow too. I'm a anyway, I've got all the <laughs> windows in my house open. Um. Now, knowing what you know about weather patterns and how nature does it, do you think it's possible for man to manipulate the weather to our advantage? As in, like, uh, weaponize hurricanes? Oh, uh, man, that would take a whole lot of... That would take a whole lot of energy in order to do that. It probably would, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's not... Because, I mean... Because the, the reason that we have the... Say the the mid latitude Rosby wave patterns uh, is because of uh, the uneven heating of the Earth. So the fact that that the Earth has an axis mm -hmm. uh, is, is responsible for an uneven heating. And when you have that, then you re then you uh, produce these Rosby waves. Rosby and waves. Is, you, how do you spell that? R O S B Y. R O S S B Y. Okay. Um. And and the and changes oh, in Rosby wave patterns is what re is responsible for large scale dynamics that lead to mid latitude cyclone development. So so the things that would you would the kind of weather that you would see mostly in North America, mostly to the east of the Rockies, that's due to. Uh, mid-latitude Rosby waves. Why don't they talk about these these type of uh, air currents more? You know, you're always because, hearing about the jet stream and shit. Because they're boring. You know, you um, know what the jet the jet stream actually is uh, is a response is actually part of is actually that Rosby wave pattern. Oh yeah. They just don't call it they just don't call it a Rosby wave because that's too technical. That's too technical for TV. Well, what do they have against this Rosby fella? I don't know. He's a scientist. Oh, he, yeah. he, he was a, 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 just a regular scientist who's just trying to understand shit. He's not... Just asking who, questions and seeking answers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Ju just, just he's in an office doing math and all that kind of stuff. He's not the kind of people like, uh -oh. uh, I would say... Jim Cantori. Uh, well, Jim Cantori for one, or Neil deGrasse Tyson, or that, mm. uh, that that guy with a Japanese name who writes all those books. Who oh yeah, I can't uh, say uh, Mishu Akaku. Yeah, that guy. Something like that. Yeah, that, that guy. Basically, if they're basically the way I see it, if they're building their careers off of pop science books that you would buy in Barnes and Noble into yeah. the. Uh, so-called science section then I ha I have questions on like how much actual science they're doing like, I think like they're how doing science with all caps oh uh, well yeah okay science with all caps yeah sure but like they're not they're not going through the grind of getting uh, getting funding to to and and trying to fund research they're 
I don't think uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson has done any like written a research paper in like 30 years or something. 25, 30 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I'm yeah, I now was getting there either writing research papers or paying grad students or or what. Yeah. No, I don't think he's done shit except be a meme. Except talking. Yeah. With his hands. <laughs> or with his mouth. Yeah. I'd rather him be a mime. He'd be a funny mime. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think he would. I think he would. Um, oh, I want to mention to people that uh, we do have voicemails and we do have a question. And it is, uh, what skill uh, would you like to learn or improve upon? Uh, we're talking about skills. We're talking about like, you know weather skills right now with Serpent. And you can uh, give us your answers at 430-201-4841. We'll play them on the show, and we really want to hear from you. Yeah, what's a skill that you have, uh, or you may not have? What's a skill you want to learn? What's something that interests you? And then, uh, if you do have a skill, what what's a skill you want to improve upon? I think everybody has a skill. There aren't. It's hard to find a person that doesn't have a skill in something, you know, unless they're just a vegetable. But even their skill is just lying there. Their skill is sitting there. Watching TV or YouTube or whatever. Or organic paperweight. <laughs> organic paperweight. I like that. There's a lot of those actually out there. A lot of them are in school. Yeah. No, this is cool. Um, have you seen the images of uh, of the South Pole of, of Saturn? With the, the, the wind patterns that make it the clouds look like a hexagon? I have not. That is some. That crazy sounds interesting. Shit. Yes. Uh, same it, with uh, Jupiter. Also, is it is it like a almost pure hexagon with like sharp corners and all that? They're rounded. Okay. Um, let's see if I can find it real quick and share it with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty strange. It's uh, Saturn's southern polar vortex. Polar vortex. It's the polar vortex. Yeah, if you just type in uh, Saturn South Pole, it'll show a whole lot of various images. There's one for space.com. Let me just look at this. I want to see that. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I'll just post this article there. In the chat, it'll also be in the show notes. And uh, that stuff is crazy to me. With Jupiter, though, it's got storms like hurricanes but massive hurricanes where there's one in the center right over the pole and then it's it's got all these other satellite storms that orbit around it and they're constant they never go away it's nuts and um jupiter's neat because it produces radio waves and uh when they invented radio they thought they were picking up little green men because they, they were receiving an <laughs> external, an extraterrestrial uh, radio source. They're like, this is coming from space. And then they noticed, well, this is always happening when Jupiter rises. And while it's in the sky, we can pick them up. When it sets, we can't pick them up. So it's got to be from Jupiter. You can make, because of Jupiter, uh, I've seen people do like amateur um, uh, radio telescopes by just pointing and like remember the big the giant old school satellite dishes with that mesh um, oh yeah 
Yeah, we still even have some around here. Like people still use that for like their satellite TV. Oh man. Well, people will also use them to make radio telescopes. Of course, you have to have a computer uh, with the r- the right software to uh, compile the data it receives. But you can point it at the at Sagittarius and get a good image of the center of the galaxy. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Well, uh, I like how you said like it, it's producing radio waves because mm-hmm. actually physically everything is pr- producing rate well some sort, radio radio waves, sh- some sort of some, radiation some sort of radiation some sort of electromagnetic radiation yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah not alpha particles thank god we're not just shooting alpha particles at each other oh no that that would, that would make us radioactive yeah all that's, the time. that's different yeah yeah but the uh oh the polar storms around jupiter why won't you show me them come on Google. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven storms around the big center storm. And they, they were able to spot it with infrared, I want to say. Yeah, that's that would be one of the things you would want, want to see. The, the one thing about infrared is that... So our satellite systems from, say, like, goes I want to say it's goes 16 and 17 now. Yeah. They will pick up... They will pick up radiation from the Earth, uh, long wave radiation from the Earth from many different uh, many different channels or many different frequencies. Uh, some of them, like am- amongst them, are visible, and we do see a whole bunch of stuff of visible. But the problem with visible is that once the it once the sun is not shining on them, it, it immediately goes dark. So oh, yeah. infrared. So infrared is good. So say infrared is good for um, twenty-four hour coverage. Yeah, yeah. We can, yeah, we, can, we can see dust and all that kind. Of, well, we can kind of see through dust with infrared. Um, I guess it depends, really. And a lot of and people with that new, uh, that new one, uh, the James Webb. That they're saying, oh well, it's all. It's all fake. It's like, well, what's your definition of fake? Are they all composite images with uh, false coloring? Like, yeah, they are. Yeah, uh, and well, the 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 data that comes back from a satellite is just numbers. Yeah, it it's just you know the what they pick what the what the amount of power that comes back uh, from the long wave radiation being emitted by the Earth or maybe my clouds or maybe even being reflected by clouds. That's what the satellite picks up. It's humans who write software uh, after the fact that makes all the coloring. Yes. And usually, and usually what the coloring is, is uh, uh, actually the temperature at the, at the highest cloud tops that the yeah. satellite can pick up. Because the, because like we said, uh, where, uh, uh, pressure always decreases uh, as you go higher into the atmosphere. Temperature generally, generally. gets higher when gets higher when you get get up in when you uh, increase into the troposphere. Now it's interesting once you get into the stratosphere, temperature actually starts increasing with height. Um, but even then, it's still well, it's still because the particles very are cold. all spread out though. Yeah. So it's that, our way of measuring temperature that makes it appear like it's hot. Yeah. Temperature wise. And 
And in certain meteorological conditions, you will actually see in the troposphere where you will have a, a, a small vertical layer where temperature can increase with height. And and that and we call that an inversion. And there are certain interesting meteorological things that can happen with inversions. Like say, if you have an inversion with very strong uh, dynamical forcing, so that so with like the Rosby waves, and or you could have say frontogenesis or some other some other reason for. Uh, uh, air to want to go up into the atmosphere. That's where you see, say, explosive convection. You see uh, uh, severe weather, like say tornadoes or maybe even blizzards as well. Usually, you don't see that kind of thing in the winter time because conditions are usually not that great during the winter uh, for explosive convection. Usually, it's either in the summer or in uh, tropical. Uh, environments that you see a lot of that hmm um have you have you looked into um uh, the like sprites and those type of lightning um way way up in the atmosphere uh you know on top of those big thunder cells things like that like like say so still in the still in the troposphere like at the top of a cloud or something i think they go up above the troposphere uh what's the layer above oh, so that? in the the stratosphere okay they, and i don't, and I don't no, think I've, they go into the ionosphere that's way the fuck up there um, yeah the on the ionosphere is like you you'll go like kilometers before you hit another atom up in the ionosphere and uh, now naturally i can't locate the article there was oh for one of these scientific journals i don't know if it was nature or one of these other ones but there were a few papers that got published about how through processes i don't fully understand that those sprites uh help uh make water taking um like the like an oxygen atom from the ozone layer uh with some hydrogen atoms that are just floating around up there and uh through electrical processes making water and that it didn't get talked about a lot uh but how that could be a key to where a lot of the water came from because you know they they want to say yeah some was probably trapped in asteroids or comets that hit the earth but we have so much water that the amount of bombardment we would have had to receive just doesn't add up to the amount of water that we actually have and that it had to come from somewhere else and the somewhere else could either be inside the earth itself which i don't know if that's likely or not but when they it started by filming these sprites and for a long time they thought they were shooting up out of the clouds because it happens so fast and even like in the 70s and 80s with um what was that that stealth jet uh the blackbird that's our 71 even with the high-speed cameras back then it still looked like they were shooting up out of the clouds but then we got you know the type of high speed we have now and slowed it way 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 down 
and turns out the the sprites are actually coming from the upper atmosphere and coming downward like it almost looks like lightning rain how they they come down and converge it's crazy but that through some complicated process they're uh jamming molecules together and making water which is kind of cool yeah that's that's way beyond my my knowledge of physics uh yeah mine too or and, uh, or, or, or hell even chemistry because that might be actual that might be in the chemistry department and not in the physics it's department kind of, kind of both though it, it it really it really you want to know what's funny my first semester of, of uh of college in back-to-back days because uh because my chemistry one class and my physics one class were on different days each one said oh well well the one said oh well it's because of uh chemistry that we have physics and the other one says oh well because of physics we have chemistry and be like oh good lord <laughs> egos it, their egos are so much ego at, at the very least like we can we can say that meteorology is just an, a, a portion of applied physics i mean even the even the dewey decimal system and the library of congress categorization system will say that uh, it, and they, they, they do intermingle with each other. There is a crossover between both of them. Oh, oh, there, there, there absolutely is. Yeah, it's just, it's just at what scale do you want to look at this yeah. sort of thing? Yeah, and I mean, this type of um, mainly astronomy is what has always interested me ever since I was young, and then um, I. I never went to school for it. I went to school for music, but I had a free elective period uh, in my college courses. So I took intro to astrophysics, which is the the name is harder to say than the actual work in that class. If you can use a calculator and multiply exponents, you're good to go. Basically, uh, can you use a TI-83? Yes. And yes, I could. <laughs> Yeah, I I can I can tell you very much that the uh, the uh, curriculum for ma- for atmospheric science uh, requires a whole lot of advanced math. I believe in fact, that. You, in fact, you will very easily minor in math. You'd be crazy not to minor in math. You might even major in math. Math was my worst at- subject. Like trigonometry, calculus. Like I wanted to murder Isaac Newton's mother. Uh, oh, see, I, I'm the I'm the opposite. Like, like, math was always my jam, especially in uh, in high school. I math and Spanish. Like oh yeah, Spanish I did all right in. Yeah, I I I was I was good enough in Spanish three, which was tenth grade for me, that I could fake that I could do my homework because what what my what my Spanish three teacher would would do is he would just ask around like questions from the homework from the from everyone in the class mm-hmm. and then he would ask afterward hey did you do your homework and usually i would not do my homework and i would say yeah i did it huh. and and i did that all the time <laughs> i got a, a, a ludicrously high grade in that class more uh, uh more deserving that or, or more a better grade in the class than I deserved to have for the homework that I did. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I barely did any homework. I, I was good enough to fake it. 
I went to a really small small school for high school and uh um I would say define small. (laughs) Uh, There were 62 kids in my graduating class. Okay. I I was barely, I I was barely more. I had 90 in my class. Oh, there you go. Uh, Around here, I don't know how they do it up there, but uh, they classified it as 3A was the size of that school. And so I don't even know what that means, like how many students in the whole school define uh, which class it's in. But anyway, our Spanish teacher... Claimed to be from Spain. Uh, her last name was King. And we would call her, uh, uh, like, Mrs. Real. And uh, she had no idea what the fuck we were saying. It's like, it's King. <laughs> it's fucking Spanish for King. But whatever. Uh, we, we had a lot of teachers that were ditzy like that. Our uh, junior year, our teacher for world geography, the first day of class argued with the entire class for many minutes about how she was certain there were only six continents standing in front of a map where the legend to the map listed seven fucking continents. (laughs) Yep. And then she was like, oh yeah, well, which one's the seventh? We're like, Australia. She's like, that's a country. And all smug. (laughs) Like, yes, and it's a continent. I would have thought that she would have... combined Europe and Asia because and that's you, easy to do because it's a single landmass yeah yeah it, yeah, it is nope, that's why I thought you would do but <laughs> Wait, because what, what, don't, what, what would she categorize Australia as part of just a country man it's just a country <laughs> it's just an a island floating it's just, country it's, it's a floating country just it's a resort hanging out there <laughs> um, her main thing was the drill team instructor and in Texas if you're going to coach something, you also have to teach something academic. Uh, so you can't just be employed out of school and be a coach. You have to teach something academic. And so they put oh, her that, dumbass in world geography. Yeah, that that was the same. That was the same thing in in at least my school in upstate New York. Although although I think I think it was more sort of the opposite way hmm. for us it was usually you'd have a a teacher that would teach something and then they would be interested in uh coaching something else oh yeah well like my my geometry teacher in school was a really good geometry teacher one one of the only i think the only math class um or like class of math classes uh, i took that i made hundreds in consistently and it was because I actually understood the work, not because I was cheating. But he was also the tennis coach, but he was a really good uh, geometry teacher. And I, I got that. It was the other maths that uh, didn't agree with my brain so much. Um, yeah, I can I can see that. But I was I like, I'm a musician. I count to four. You give me numbers <laughs> higher than four, I'm going to divide them by four. Four, sometimes three. Yeah. But even still, it, you can you can stack threes on top of each other till they equal a divisible of four. Yeah, or you can use either a, a, a three four time signature or six eight time signature. Yeah, and even still, those will the, those rhythms will add up to four eventually. They'll yeah. come back around to uh, start on the downbeat of a of a measure at some point. Yeah, you know, 
Why don't we listen to a voicemail? We got a few voicemails. Yeah, why not? We need some more voicemails in. Give us a call, 430-201-4841. Tell us, what is your skill that uh, you would like to learn or uh, improve upon? I'm interested to know what skills people got. I know people got the skills that kills out there. Just tell us, 430-201-4841. Hell, we even have a jingle, and if I could find it, I'd fucking play it. But you know, I rearranged my soundboard, and uh, I don't know where they're at. Oh, there it is. Here's the jingle for it. Oh, yeah. Thanks to Mary Kate Ultra and Make Heroism for that. And always remember, it's by presidential order. Joe Biden said, come. And most of them come with a phone number. Let me hit you with a voicemail. Hit that, son. Yeah, oh, I hit it. And then I quit it. Well, you you push one of my buttons with this question. All right. Um, There's something that I've been working on off and on for about a year now and uh, not making as much progress as I would like. Uh, that is a classic French omelet. All of the stuff that you find today on YouTube all shows you how to do this on uh, a uh, nonstick pan. Mm. And uh, I don't like eating um, florines. Uh, I'm not you really don't. interested in eating Kevlar or any you of these don't. other, uh, you know, non, you know, forever chemicals. So... You know, they've been making omelets before they were nonstick pans, so mm-hmm. I figured they would be using the classic French cooking uh, device, which is a uh, cast steel pan. And I do have a good cast steel pan. I've got a Dubois, uh with, you know, no squared off edges, nice round bottom and all that. Uh, and I have been trying, nice like I said, bottom. off and on for about a year to get it right, and I still can't make one that looks like Jacques Pepin's. But I'm not done trying. I will continue. Uh, in the smoker. In the smoker caller was that Baron Spud the Mighty? I'm not sure who that was. If it, it wasn't, it sounded it sounded like him, and it sounded like something he would say. It does. It does. Uh, that guy is full of interesting knowledge, and um, thank you, thank you for that. And uh, if I hadn't thanked him before, I'll thank him again for uh, the twenty dollar checks he sends in that uh, go toward the Clean Feed subscription. It's it's just the right amount. So, thank you, uh, Baron Spud the Mighty, uh, for all of that. I even have a little clip for you. Uh, I thought I did. I don't. Never mind. It's because I forget what I label things. You may not have that problem. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't have nearly the, the ISO collection that you do. <laughs> some might say it's too many, but I don't. Uh, I would never say that. comes in handy. <laughs> Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, it helps if I spelled 20 and not 12. Uh, I guess I was thinking that, that of 2012. Uh, maybe so. And uh, it's still not coming up. Weird. It's uh, Ever since I moved my clips, some of them show up and some of them don't. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Huh. Damn. Huh. I know. And it bugs me. Technology bugs me. Oh, here we go. He has pledged $20. That's all I was looking for. It'd be cool if somebody was like, Here's $20 billion. Thanks. 
That'll power clean feed for a long time. <laughs> that w- uh, oh, maybe a little overkill. I'm sure clean feed would love that twenty billion dollars. Oh no shit! And I would probably be saying more than just thanks. Yeah, probably. You know, probably. Um, so yeah, well, good luck on the omelette du fromage, and uh, that's the only French I know, thanks to Dexter's Laboratory. Uh, uh, good luck with that, though. Omelets can be tough. Need to make the omelet from Fallout. Get you one of those death claw eggs, and uh, you know, did you ever play that game? No, I didn't. Huge time waster. Like all video games, but they're still fun. Most, I was about to say, most games are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got some games for Christmas though. None. Like, I've been trying to figure out how to work some of them in into the show, but it's it's difficult with audio only. You know. I got yeah, one yeah. that's called like uh, meme this or something like that where it comes with all these pictures like picture cards and they're just meme images and then you have a bunch of phrase cards and it's for a group and uh, you have one person that's like the judge you know and that rotates around um, and everybody like plays the best phrase card they can for the image and the funniest one wins and it's pretty good yeah I got an MTV trivia game, which is pretty much just trivia cards, and the correct answer, you get to keep your card, and the person with the most cards at the end wins. It's a oh. fairly simple... So it so game. it's basically just a generic trivia game that is just MTV-themed. Yes, precisely. Um, how many how many uh, Adam Curry references are in there? That's a good good question. I haven't even opened the uh, the package of cards yet. I just trimmed my fingernails. Oh, I didn't yeah, paint that... them though. <laughs> Did you, were, were were you uh, expecting to? No, others <laughs> may expect me to, but I don't. I would never do that. I Maybe can't I imagine you with with uh, painted fingernails. <laughs> uh, I have dressed in drag uh, on a few occasions, and let me tell you, I'm an ugly lady. I'm, I was gonna say, I, I've seen I've seen pictures of you, and I cannot imagine you track. <laughs> you do not want to. You do not want to. Oh, so these these pretty much they're just they just list like bands or personalities, and then you're supposed to name like whatever space you land on the on the board will tell you like what you're supposed to name about these uh, cards either. Uh, Things like lyrics or, you know, whatever. Do they have a hit? It's kind of weird. It's very nondescript with their directions, actually. I got another game. It's a uh, hot sauce challenge. Where, um... Hot sauce? Yes, it comes with three... Seven... 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 little bottles of hot sauce that look like they're maybe 3 ounces. And uh, you just put them on this board and spin the spinner and land on one and try it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing they have a they they have a scale which one is uh, the the mildest as we could say and one is is like, you know, 
I can tell you what it, hot it's sauce gonna is cause in instant death. Let's see what you think. There's a, a jalapeno hot sauce. Okay, normal. It doesn't have any Scoville ratings or anything like that on the back, at least. Chocolate oh, chipotle. So okay, red hot sauce, which I guess is just vinegar and pepper. Um, garlic herb hot sauce. Okay, these are all the low ones. And then the mid-range is uh, whiskey habanero, uh, mango habanero, green chili, and then garlic hot sauce again. Uh, then habanero hot sauce, ghost pepper hot sauce, smoky bourbon hot sauce, and chipotle hot sauce. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so maybe there are a couple in there there. There's probably a couple. That might kill you, but... One can only hope. <laughs> the ones there, that Darren there, there sent me to be, were... There, there, there has to be tension in that kind of game, or else it would just be boring. Oh, the little holder had a hole in it. Oh, it comes with the spinner board and all that. Beat oh. the heat. Turn you and just, burn. How much you can heat just use can a D twelve? <laughs> Spin and taste, but do not choke. If you do, it's the next player's turn. So you just taste the hot sauces. <laughs> don't choke. That's one of the that's that's a condition is don't choke. Don't choke. The condition is don't choke. <laughs> Which is also the condition on the casting couch. And if I spun it correctly, the one I landed on was smoky bourbon. Well, that fits since that's what you're drinking. Oh, yeah. Is it, is it uh, 114 proof? <laughs> Probably not. It's 114 something. Let's see if I can take a picture and post it real quick. I'll just do all this on the on the fl flibbity fly here. I'll have to Put it somewhere where you can actually see it against the background. Oh, it's a tiny little bottle. I was not even close to the amount of hot sauce in there either. Low-level light conditions. Fuck you, phone. I don't need you talking to me that way. The nerve of these devices. Seriously? Seriously. Oh, it's only 0.84 ounces of hot sauce in here. Not three. That was way off. Oh, so they're like little. They're, they're just enough to, to play one game, probably. I mean, Assuming if that, you're like really chugging them, but yeah, if you have a lot of players, it's probably enough for one game. Yeah. If you had like five people and everybody tried everything at least once, you know? Well, let's just see what it's like. If I'm gonna choke or not. Oh, oh that's thick. Oh, that hot sauce is thick. Oh. Live hot sauce. <laughs> I mean, it's like a if you went to a wing place and you're like, if you're like me and you love vinegar and a little bit of spice, give me give me your hot sauce. And like, oh, we got one for you, bro. And their hats oh, all like that? flat build and turned around backward. And they're like, bro, this lights oh. my ass up every time. And then you try it and it doesn't doesn't oh. do any ass lighting. Yeah. That was like that that one. No ass lights. I mean, it's, it's pretty tasty. Are you though. a connoisseur of, of hot things? I love hot things. Love hot oh, things. So, so do I. So do I. Hell yeah, and, man. And it, helps, and it helps that I'm in western New York where you throw a rock and you hit a, a place that does uh, pizza, wings, and subs. Oh, so for sure. Yeah. Oh, I, lo I love it. I love it. Like, um... 
when Spencer and Lorian came down here a couple of years ago, he brought me some Carolina Reapers, just the peppers. Oh shit! Oh my god, dude! I, those like we we smoked a couple of dubers, you know, uh, as is tradition. <laughs> yep. And that pepper was so fucking hot, it made me more stoned. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's yeah. uh. And I had it with my steak, and it was a nice texture too. The the pepper was nice to eat. But it was so hot. And I just kept eating it. That's the only thing you can do with really hot stuff is just like eat more of it. So so what so what is a what does a pepper like that do? Does that give you like a does does that pepper give you an instant uh instant burning or or do you uh, like have some kind of kind of that fleshy taste or the earthy taste of the pepper and then after a few seconds then it starts to kill you? You get that fleshy taste of the pepper and, and like, a fraction of its heat, like, right away. And then you're like, oh, this ain't that bad. And then, oh, and then the and wave the, comes. And then, and, then, and then it takes, like, the next 30 minutes of your life, and it just... Yeah. It just... Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I'll get the hiccups, too, if something's really, really hot. It'll make oh, me Oh, that's gotta be... That's gotta be awful. It is. Um... But this was like right on the cusp of making me hiccup. And, uh, oh. but it was good. It was really good. Like the taste was really good. And Spence was like, oh, you know, they may be like, they're a few days old. And I was like, I don't care. They tasted just fine to me. And, um, yeah, I, I just cut it up and ate it with my steak. And I had to try it just on its own just to see what it was all about. And it, told me what it was all about it was all about the heat and um like i didn't touch it with my fingers but the heat like vapor made my fingertips burn Jeez, if that makes that, sense uh probably yeah that would because that or i accidentally touched it with my fingertips and don't remember but i'm pretty sure i used a fork and a knife the entire time yeah he, i did touch the outside he, of the pepper and normally he, that's safe, but maybe not with these motherfuckers. Well, well, may, maybe not with that with that amount of capsaicin in it. That's true. I mean, I've had I mean, that pure a, capsaicin oil. It was called Pure Cap. I mean, you can probably still buy it. It came in a medicine bottle, and then inside that medicine bottle was another bottle with an eyedropper. And you were supposed to put a single drop in five gallons of stew or something. And yeah, that, we would just take a couple of drops right. and like put them on a cracker or a corn chip or something, <laughs> and then eat it. Wow, that as a punishment game. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, we were just dumb, and that is dumb. That is insanely dumb. You have to not breathe when you go to like take a bite of the chip because if you inhale the air coming across that uh, capsaicin oil, it'll make you choke. Yeah. Just like people that do the powder anything challenges, like where they, they eat a spoonful of powdered cinnamon or uh, pepper flakes or some dumb shit. Like the powder, when you inhale that powder, you're going to choke. So I don't understand all that, but people do dumb shit yeah. all the time. And I'm, yeah, I've that's, done my fair that's, share. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know because I don't hang around social media. I'm pretty sure all of that shit is just for social media clicks. I yeah, exactly. It, it has to be. It is. It is. 
I oh, only see at- some of it because of like dumb children. Oh, look at me. I'm 15. I, I do this shit. Look at me. I'm cool. I had a spoonful of Tide or whatever. Gain or something. <laughs> oh, you know what's, fu- what's, what's funny is that usually I just use the liquid uh, laundry detergent. Mm-hmm. So, But I, I, I touched a Tide pod for the first time ever, like the other day. Man, does that thing feel so weird. It does. It really does. It's like a little stress ball for your laundry. It, it, well, yeah, but also like I, I, I've I've had to handle say the the Cascade pods that you put in a dishwasher. Oh yeah, and it feels nothing like that. It is just it's just squishy, like it's just a bunch of jelly, mm, like the mm. Tide pods are. Yeah, yeah, and some of them for your dishwasher are like solid. You know, it's uh, like yeah, the, yeah, there's powder. yeah, there's salt. Yeah, those ones are solid, like. Like a Flintstones you know. vitamin. Yeah. For your I remember those for your dishes. <laughs> yeah. Um what was uh I just had a thought and then it left. That happens. Um it does. Oh, you wanna hear some clips? Oh, sure. What kind of clips what kind of clip action do you got? We talking about puppets. Puppets? Yeah, I was a weird kid, believe it or not. And I used oh. to want to be a puppeteer, like for reals, for reals. I uh, I greatly considered it on through my teen years of like being a puppeteer. Um, early on, I had uh, one of my older cousins had given me this dog puppet that it was simple, um, but you could oh like manipulate the eyes. And the mouth, obviously. Uh, and kind of emote with it. And I thought it was the coolest fucking thing. Because I had sock puppets and whatnot from kindergarten. But having a puppet where you could move the eyes was just cool as shit to me. So I would always like be behind the couch. And like pop up on somebody with my little dog puppet. And uh, I don't remember what name I gave it. but uh, or Or even what voice I did for it. But it had... You know, I gave it a little voice and a little dog persona, like he was a runaway dog, and uh, was uh, just trying to find people to like be cool with or whatever that weren't going to turn him turn him into the pound. So he was kind of paranoid. Um, and so uh, the same cousin had given my sister a similar puppet, but it was a pig, and uh, I took that pig and um, played with it also, and had my own little weird ass puppet shows and then after that like um i had a my dad's older brother don had married this uh little mexican lady named molly she had a absolutely gigantic collection of marionettes and uh they were all handmade hand painted from mexico and some of them were old as shit like from the 1800s and um those I, I couldn't play with, but there were other ones that she would let me play with. And she was good. She could she could work those marionettes and you would forget that they were puppets. They were just like these little people walking around. Uh, and I was always trying to figure that shit out. But marionettes can be complicated. Especially the real articulate ones like, like what she had. Um, and uh, yeah, pu- I don't know why. Just puppets have always fascinated me. And then watching movies like star wars and 
Labyrinth and uh, the Dark Crystal, all that stuff with Jim Henson Productions, you know. Um, the type of puppets that they would make uh, just like blew me away. Like, you mean there's a fucking entire person inside that puppet? That's nuts. I mean, like Jabba the Hutt, it was more like six people inside that motherfucker. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I found some interesting stuff about Jim Henson. Mainly that some people oh. think that Disney had him killed. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Uh. Because there was a, for a short time, Jim Henson actually thought about uh, purchasing Disney, believe it or not. Huh. Yeah, that's kind of nuts to think about. Um, yeah, it was like Did in 84, he, he was thinking about buying Disney because they, were, they weren't doing that hot. And Jim Henson was doing awesome in 1984. Uh, yeah, I was about to ask, be like, was, he, was he making that much money off of the Muppets? In the, Hell yeah, in those man. Days? Uh-huh. Because oh, okay. you had Sesame Street and other TV shows. And then he also did commercials with these oh, okay. random ass Muppets that he would make. So, so so his time was definitely like what the eighties, maybe the mid eighties or seventies? Mid seventies to the mid eighties was like his heyday. Him okay. and Frank yeah, Oz, so- like him and Frank Oz were working together early on. Okay, so so well before I was born. Actually, di- didn't I see that he was he didn't he die in like ninety or something? 89 89 oh my birth year okay oh no so, he died yeah. in 1990 may of 1990 that's what it was okay all right at 53 so yeah 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 his uh he was well before my time then so okay. yeah he uh it was just nuts to me that he even thought he could buy disney like all of disney uh but no, there's yes, um, yes, but they they must have really they were hard they up in really the eighties. Cr- yeah, they must, yeah, they must have crashed, especially because you can't you you look at what they're doing today, and there's no way that one man could could buy all of that. Well, in like the mid eighties, what was Disney even doing? They didn't start making like big blockbusters again until the late eighties, early nineties. Um, yeah, that 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 makes sense. That makes sense because because I definitely grew up in that era where. They were, they were making a whole bunch of VHSs and mm-hmm. selling them to families and all that kind of stuff. And I watched a lot of that stuff. I did too. Up. Yeah, I was born in '83, and um, <clears throat> uh, when I was watching Disney as a kid, it was on cable. And this was so long ago. They had uh, the bright idea that if you were paying for cable. You didn't get commercials because you were already paying. And they used commercials in order to pay for the programming. So if you were paying, why would we have commercials? So like the Weather Channel and Disney and CNN didn't have commercials. Uh, crazy shit nowadays to even think about. But Disney had some real shitty shows. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Frank Oz, like I said, he, he worked with uh, Jim Henson early on. He was the voice of Rolf. Uh, the dog and Miss Piggy and a lot of other ones, a big eagle guy. Uh, I can't think of his name at the moment. Um, uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, Frank Oz did a whole lot of voices and uh, also the voice of Yoda. 
And so I found this from CBS this morning. I think this was in 2018. And this first clip, uh, I, I like getting into the weird, like, wacky, uh, you know, um, kooky kind of stuff. So he said something here that I found interesting, and I'll just uh, play it. The big story in this documentary is is the work atmosphere, oh, and, and you're continuing. So they're talking about this documentary that Frank Oz made independent of Disney, because Disney eventually did acquire the Muppets in 2004, and Frank Oz was not happy about that. And um, him and the other puppeteers for uh, Jim Henson uh, that didn't get hired on by Disney uh, just decided to make their own documentary. And uh, he, he got a whole bunch of like old footage compiled it together and they all talked about it also. And so he's on CBS this morning. He uh, is pushing this documentary. So that's what this uh, morning guy is talking about. The big story in this documentary is is the work atmosphere and and your continuing affection for Jim Henson, who you worked for all those years. Yeah, it, it's 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 not even continuing affection. I mean, if, if you see our documentary, you can have a sense of what the, what was inside him is now inside us. It is. You know, and I what mean, was that exactly? I think that was uh, uh, <laughs> incredibly hard work. Mm. And that's the part that, where he stammered on it was him saying, like, what's who is calling me? Oh, me padre. I'll have to talk to you later, pops. Um, <laughs> he knows I'm doing a show. Uh, where was I at? Oh, right. So the interesting thing was him stammering uh, and then saying, like, well, what was inside Jim is now inside all of us. And I'm like, yeah, like parts of his soul. Is that what you're getting at, Frank? Because maybe, just maybe, I want I want to believe that. I'll rewind it. Continuing affection. I mean, if you, if you see our documentary, you can have a sense of what the, what was inside him is now inside us. It is. His you know, and I what mean, was that exactly? I think that was uh, <laughs> incredibly hard work. Mm. And while you're working on stuff you don't even like, you're still having fun. That and uh, long work and uh, also being collaborative and uh, no ego, mm -hmm. only working for the excellence of the product and trying to screw each other over. <laughs> you keep slipping that in. Yeah, because yeah. we did. We all tried to break each other up and upstage each other at the same time. You yeah. know? Uh, so, but fairness, I can go on about Jim, but, but, but he was a singular individual. How does the screwing each other over, like one-upsmanship and like, trying to get each other to crack up, how does that fall into the no ego thing? You've got to kind of have some ego to uh, screw each other over, you know? Yeah, yeah, you do. And I like how, how he said, like, he was a single individual. A singular individual. A singular individual. Oh, even better, a singular individual. Not like he could be a plural individual or nope. something. Nope, just a, a singular just. individual. By definition. <laughs> You would you would hope. I would, unless uh, Jim Henson's body was uh, occupied by multiple souls, and he's just having to press that home. Like, trust me, nope, he's only one well, dude. Trust me, promise. Well, no, the the way he said it was be like uh, multiple people's souls are occupied by Jim Henson. Oh, now, yeah, now that they split it up, like broke it into pieces, like that movie uh, Nine. Did you ever see it? It was a computer animated movie. 
about no, little sock I, I, puppets, essentially? No, I I, I haven't seen. Uh, I'm it's not really a, 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 a movie watcher. Oh, this is weird. Like the scientist uh, imbued parts of his soul into these tiny little uh, uh, like potato sack figures and uh they weren't alive until he imbued his soul with the help of this mask uh in like each part of his soul into these nine uh little figures and uh it was in some weird like post-apocalyptic type world or something it was very strange um it but it like, sounds it in hindu mysticism they they believe you can impart or imbue your soul into another person say a person is sick and dying uh but they they might have a, a healthy body otherwise they're just dying for some other reason but their body's not damaged and you might have a damaged body with the help of a mask uh you can imbue your soul into that body uh, i fell deep in a rabbit hole about uh the beatles in india and maybe paul mccartney might have done something like that uh, what was strange about that movie Nine and the Hindu mysticism is the mask in the movie was very similar to the masks that they would use in in Hindu mysticism, where uh, it essentially had three holes, uh, two for your eyes and one like for your mouth. And supposedly that's how it left. Anyway, uh, this other thing from Frank Oz, I also found interesting about the Muppets. Is something I didn't know and uh, makes a whole lot of sense looking back on the various shows uh, with the Muppets. Any day. Do you know what surprised me the most? The Muppets were very much a part of my childhood, but you say this wasn't written for children. It was oh, God, written for no. adults. I, I, what do I know about kids? Yeah. What, do you, what do you know about kids? Well, I have three, but I'm still learning. <laughs> oh, no, how do you? I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, I didn't know what I wanted. How, does it, how do adults know what kids want? Yeah, we never, we've never worked toward kids. We've only, we've only done adult stuff. We don't. I mean, yeah. we're just playing around as adults. That's yeah. all we are. And documentary will see that, uh, the, which is at MuppetGuysTalking.com. The only place you can get this documentary is at MuppetGuysTalking.com. Am I doing a good job? Right, you're doing a very good job. Uh, MuppetGuysTalking.com because we're not releasing it in a big company. It's just going to be, it's just us. Mm-hmm. I went to that website but could not purchase the, uh, the documentary, sadly. I was going to watch it. It's only like 63 minutes long or something. So, uh, yeah, no, none of the, they, they really didn't even have kids in mind when they were doing all of uh, the Muppet stuff. They were just like, mm, we're doing it to be funny, and if kids like it, kids like it. But we're just adults playing with puppets. So I'm guessing Sesame Street was just uh, sort of a byproduct of uh, the whole Muppets bit? Yeah, and Sesame Street was different because it was on public uh television um I'm trying to find this article where frank was talking about it oh he did the voice of grover as well um and so he uh he was saying he didn't even he didn't even think about the children that would be watching sesame street unless he was in a scene with children you know where they would be sitting in a chair he said all those scenes like that were ad-libbed and so of course you had to think about the kids because they're right there but even then, he wasn't thinking about, like, making it kid-friendly necessarily or, or educational. Um, he just was, 
an adult playing so, with a puppet. <laughs> so he was just he was just freewheeling with with puppets that he made, just like whatever 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 came to his mind, he could j- just do it. And then uh, I, I guess as, if there was children there, then he put the filter on. Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, pretty much. Like you know, they obviously they didn't they didn't cuss and that kind of stuff uh, around the kids or anything. Um, oh, Frank Odd, he also did the voice of Bert and Cookie Monster, as well as Grover and Rolf and Miss Piggy and Yoda. Which old voice Frank Oz doing like the new Star Wars movies, uh, the like you know, where he's an old man doing Yoda, it's like it doesn't work, it sounds terrible. Like they couldn't find a voice actor who could do like, uh, Empire Strikes Back Yoda voice out there. You had to give it to Frank Oz. Okay. I don't know. I I was uh, a Star uh, Wars nerd and so it like it upset me. I'm like, this doesn't sound like Yoda at all. No, yeah, I, know. I wasn't. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, lucky you actually. Uh, uh, oh, okay. So there's this article for Collider.com and uh the interviewer says, the other thing is, from what I remember and what I've seen, the show and a lot of other stuff with the Muppets was never written for kids. It was always written for adults and kids came along for the ride. Or am I wrong about this uh, phrasing, dude? Uh, Frank Oz says, right, absolutely right. That's the thing. We were adults. We played with each other. Oh, phrasing, Frank. Uh, uh, fra- we would never uh, think about the phrasing? kids <laughs> and I say that in the movie too about Sesame Street sadly Sesame Street has changed now Sesame Street used to ride up two levels an adult level and a kid level sadly is just riding on the kids level I feel riding for kids is stupid it's truly stupid how do we as 30, 40, 50 year old people know what kids like we have no freaking idea when I was a kid, I didn't know what I liked. So how would I know what a kid likes now at my age? It's ridiculous. Oh, at, at, at that target age, like they'll like they'll like what just you about tell them. Anything. Yeah. yeah. They 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 the more I I I I've read, the more I learned that kids that age, they're just malleable to whatever yeah. you want to tell them. Of uh, yeah. He goes on, he says, uh, the only thing that is not bogus about it is that if you're writing for adults, you can't have profanity with kids. And you can't get too complex in emotions and feelings because they're not developed enough. But other than that, no, we just played around. Sadly, Sesame Street has abandoned that and abandoned that when it comes to a kid's show. Okay, well, Frank Oz, apparently he's always been outspoken too. Um, There was... One last thing. Uh, This just says, talking about Disney. So let's see what he's saying about Disney. You have been pretty critical of Disney for not sort of getting these characters. Not critical. No, no, it's weird. uh, What's up with Disney, the trouble with print is they can't print tone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so my tone was not combative. Mm -hmm. My tone is hopeful and pleading because Disney really wants to do a good job. They really do the very best they can. And two people, especially uh, Kyle and Debbie, uh, really get it. They're they're terrific in the studio. But there are people at in the TV and motion picture area. The thing is, what they don't understand is that one can't just write for the Muppets. There are performers who've been with Jim for decades. Yeah. 
and they're not being part of the process. Mm -hmm. right. Those people, those Bill Beretta in here, Dave Goals, they are brilliant. They know the soul. And I can't, I just wish they would be asked to be part of the creation. Mm -hmm. And that's what would make a success for Disney, really. So I, I have nothing against Disney. Jim wanted to go to Disney. Right. Absolutely. You know. So, so in other words, you're saying that the, the actors are part of the characters, in effect, and need to be consulted. There, if we actually, the the characters could not be popular without us down below. We know each other for so many years. Yeah. You can't just bring a new guy in. Right. You just can't do it. And okay. it's also weird because it's like buying a thoroughbred and not letting him race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Oz, thank you so much for being with us this morning. It's thank you. I think what they were referring to about what he had said about Disney was that uh, during the whole process of trying to make a deal with Disney in 89, he um, was putting a lot of stress on Jim. And uh, that the stress is probably what killed him, is what uh, Frank Oz had said. And it had been taken out of context to say that, like, Disney killed him. <laughs> I mean, I, I can, I can believe that that stress killing you, sort of bit. Well, his death but was like, was sudden. I, I have a, a few clips about his death that I was unaware of this uh, also, and um, I I found some interview and I forget off the top of my head where it was from, but it will all be in the show notes. Um, this is just about his his sudden death. Just four days before his death, Jim went with his daughter, Cheryl, to visit his dad in North Carolina. He did get sick while we were down there. A little bit of a flu, a little bit of a cough, but he, he was feeling weak, but he wasn't feeling sick. Jim came home and went to his New York City apartment to rest. He had no idea how sick he was. It seemed like it was a sore throat and a, and a cough. And he decided to cancel a vocal session of Kermit because he didn't feel that he had Kermit's voice. We were making jokes about the fact that, oh, I guess he's getting to be too big a guy to join us now, you know, because it's never done that. Never. Whoops, that's, uh, that's Frank Oz talking, and it was his daughter and his wife uh, talking just to give some context. First time. I mean, I mean, I remember Jim, he had walking pneumonia and we were shooting a, a, a commercial outside in the gas station 30 years ago and he was, it was five degrees and he should have gone to the hospital and he was still, still working, you know? I had known Jim as somebody who just could not be held down. I mean, one, one time he had surgery during his lunch hour, you know, and came back and worked until eight o'clock that night. That last guy talking, I'm not sure of his name, but he had the nice big unibrow just like Bert. Uh, in Sesame Street, even though he didn't. Also, that so. uh, that sounds intense. Just going to get surgery and then coming back to work. Apparently, it was intense because, like, you would think doing puppets, especially puppets like the Muppets, it would all be happy-go-lucky and carefree. But they were often the puppeteers themselves were in cramped situations you know crammed right up against each other and uh uh muppets like, oh yeah that like the swedish chef uh i think yeah, that's it was, right like a bunch like a bunch of those puppets they were they were uh they were operated by multiple people weren't they yeah like rolf the dog one of his arms was a 
a, a separate puppeteer while Frank Oz was doing, uh, you know, his head and his voice. And then the Swedish chef was Jim Henson doing the, the head and the voice. And then another guy was doing both of the Swedish chef's arms and hands. And if you ever notice about the Swedish chef, he's got human hands. Oh yeah, yeah. I, the, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't consumed a lot of the, a lot of the uh, Muppets sort of stuff. Even the Sesame Street stuff when I was, like, at that time when I was a kid. But I have watched a bunch of the Swedish Chef stuff because I, for a time that was just amusing to me. And yeah, I do yeah. remember that. There, it's actually. His his hands, his puppet hands, are actually human hands. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, I forget the name of the guy who was um, doing the hands, but Jim was talking about it, saying that when they when they first came up with the idea, you know, um, it was all like ad lib, so he had no idea what the guy was going to do with the hands. He would just have to react to it. <laughs> that 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 uh that that sounds uh that sounds like if you didn't have a whole have a bunch of talent there, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah. Well, like what Frank Oz was saying too in one of those earlier clips about how you know the characters, like the puppets, can't exist without the characters that they give them. You know. Um, <clears throat> Frank Oz would come up with entire backstories for the the Muppets that he did voices for, just so he could he could convey those emotions and the and the nuances around them. Um, and so, you know, with this, <laughs> who knows what the backstory of the Swedish Chef was though? Miskirsky Birdie, great fun. But no, it was, uh, where was I going with all that? <laughs> uh, I also saw something where some school had uh, told their kids, the students, that they couldn't say meep anymore. Uh, like, uh, remember Beaker? Uh, there was Bunsen and Beaker, the the one that was just a green guy, and then the, the tall guy with just the mouth flap that was just meep, meep. Yeah, for uh, some reason, the teachers thought that that was like, I don't know, slang for something. <laughs> and told them they couldn't say meep. Oh. And they were just mimicking Beaker. Uh, Teachers are dumb. Wow. Uh, one uh, last clip. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one thing I learned in, in, in high school is that uh, school administrators are, are they admit, they administer like there's no world outside of the school. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very much correct. Uh, one last clip here. Um, and uh, pardon the sad piano music. We were all in the family, all of us, slow to, to go to see doctors. And yes, I'm, the fact that he was brought up Christian science, I'm sure, that had a, a lot to do with that attitude. Jim Henson was only 53 years old. His death was so shocking. Oh, it was. Did I, it was just. A, I think I skipped the second one. 
So shocking. It was shocking. Wait. Jane Henson spent the last uh, night of Jim's life with him and took him to the hospital the next day. There we go. Although they'd separated four years earlier, they never divorced, and they were still friends. Aww. When we went to the hospital, he dressed himself and walked down. And Actually, when we went to the hospital, the taxi took us to the wrong door, to the front door, instead of the emergency door, so we walked all well, we the way around the block, which is a you know, pretty long way around. So I don't think either of us thought he was that sick. I think probably when he went to the hospital that night, he knew what was coming. Um, I think when he, when he coughed up a little bit of blood, I think he thought, how the heck did this happen? But I think it's happened, and now I think I know what this means. Jim died only hours after arriving at the hospital. The cause was severe pneumonia. The hospital said that getting medical attention sooner might have saved his life. Could his Christian science upbringing have kept him away? Oh, there you go. Christian science upbringing. Christian. Christian science. Uh, yeah, uh, uh-huh. I believe that. It definitely wasn't the spooks at work at Disney uh, injecting him with something that had rapid onset pneumonia. Or, or God knows what, what else. Or just having with. pneumonia for a long time and not realizing it. Yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. I yeah, yeah, that 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 Christian science bit that sounds like an excuse for either that that sounds like an excuse for for some kind of op. Yeah. No, I'm not going to say right I'm not going to say it's by Disney or anything, but it sounds like, it sounds like an, it's an excuse. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I uh who knows what Michael Eisner was into. You know. I don't I mean? know. But but also I, I I'll preface this by saying that I'm not one of these people who who will say oh well X totally did something to Y to screw them kind of people I'll say it like I'm I'm not I'm not a conspiracy kind of person oh I, I, am. I will say that about myself I love it and it's mostly tongue in cheek because like a lot of it's asinine and really unrealistic when you think about all the details that would have to line up to get some of these things to work out but. It's entertaining to me nonetheless. And uh, Michael Eisner, I'm not saying he has dead eyes, but they certainly look lifeless. And he did, however, so initially the offer was $150 million for the Muppets. And that's excluding Sesame Street and Kermit the Frog and a few other uh, intellectual properties of Jim's. But... In 2004, when Disney eventually did acquire uh, the Muppets, he uh, Disney got them for uh, half the price at 75 million, and they eventually Ooh, got Sesame a bargain. Street. Yeah, they eventually got <laughs> Sesame Street and ran it into the ground along with Bear in the Big Blue House. I wonder if they got Eureka's Castle. Oh, but they didn't get Fraggle Rock. I, I got to be honest with you. All of the all of these names that you're you're spewing out mean nothing. after Sesame Street are completely foreign to me. <laughs> Eureka's Castle was on Nickelodeon, <laughs> and it it was about. Uh, oh, it must have been the Nick, Nickelodeon before I was. This was I got into nineties. It was nineties. 
Uh, must have been early 90s. Yeah, yeah. What year were you born? Uh, I was born in 89, and okay. by the time I got into that stuff, it would have been 90, 95, 96. Oh, yeah. You're about my uh, my youngest brother's age. Um, he was born in 90. Uh, but yeah, uh, Eureka's Castle, there was a big dragon about the size of a person. A big foam dragon. And uh, a puppet. I guess she was a princess. I don't know what she was. Maybe she was a magician. I don't know. It was a strange show. Fraggle Rock was also strange. Where It was like they were all hippies living underground or some shit. But Muppets? I don't know. I, I have a feeling, even though Frank Oz never mentioned it, that drugs were involved with a lot of these concepts around the Muppets that they the shows they would make and even the character design themselves I mean you know who Snuffleupagus is the big uh, the big elephant no I don't <laughs> oh the big <laughs> elephant thing on uh, Sesame Street uh still like doesn't a ring shag- it was a big shaggy elephant he was like uh <laughs> Big Bird's best friend oh hi bird uh I don't even know how you would spell Snuffleupagus uh, exactly how you would say it <laughs> I guess so onomatopoeia <laughs> oh yeah like um, the way Snuffleupagus talked and like his big droopy eyes and shit like he he looked like a stoner uh, also a nightmare a, uh, maybe a, uh, stoner's, <laughs> a stoner's nightmare <laughs> Um, but yeah it was uh, like that was my first inkling into like human-sized people inside these giant puppets was Snuffleupagus. I posted a picture of him in the in the chat room from Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, big hairy elephant. Big hairy elephant. Totally realistic looking. <laughs> on drugs. Exactly. It'd be realistic if you were on drugs. No, I mean. The point of all the puppet, like Jim Henson shit, did Michael Eisner have him killed for uh, $75 million? We'll never know. Maybe they talk about it in Club 33. Maybe. Maybe. How about a voicemail? Sure, why not? Why not? Let me hit you. Hey, oh. Call it direct. Call it collect. But call it today. That's right, 430-201-4841. Tell us about a skill you want to learn or improve upon. What is a skill you'd love to learn or improve on? I would love to learn how to be less of a fuck stick. Good luck with that, caller. Yeah, sir. I would like to learn that skill myself. It's elusive. Oh, we got another one here. Let's let's just do this other one. Why not? Hey, oh, yourself. Uh, yeah. Hi. Hey. Sorry, I'm driving. Hi. Danger. When it went, safety it's second caller. Uh, the message is fine and everything, but then when it beeps, it goes like beep, 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 beep. something like that. It's not as much as that. It's like maybe two beeps. I exaggerated it for effect. But I felt uh, it. my skill, uh, I have some skills to pay the bills. I know um, you do. But. First skills that I wish were better, uh, like a, I watch a lot of like they call it bush crafting. Dick and helicopter. It's not, uh, it's not like you're styling uh, the pubic hair of women's vaginas. It's uh, 
actual like crafting in the bush. Uh, which I do. I watch a guy from Canada, like a John Robinet or Robinet, Robino, whatever French Canadian. Um, but I watch him go out and survive in the uh, the wild. Uh, I think maybe Man I learned moose. something from it uh, through osmosis. Maybe it's just watching so many of the videos. But I kind of like. I mean, it'd be cool to be able to. I don't know. Maybe once. Maybe once I did it. Once I tried to go out and survive in the wild with as minimal sources and doing all these portages between lakes, uh, I'd probably be like, wow, this is the worst fucking experience ever, and I don't <laughs> want to ever do this again. But I feel in my heart of hearts that I would enjoy, uh, potentially enjoy something like that. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm full of shit saying that. So, but it'd be kind of cool to have a, a nice, set of uh, bushcraft skills that you could use to survive. Right on. Because uh, I think that would benefit everybody. And the smoker. And the smoker, Ned Ned. I know that voice. I'm surprised he didn't say magic. He didn't want to learn some magic skills. You don't want to learn how to make the the Statue of Liberty disappear? Maybe not. You don't want to learn how to pull doves from a hat? Or a rabbit from a handkerchief? Or make a coin disappear? Or put the card somebody picked inside a beer bottle. Or David Blaine stuff, like sitting on an ice cube for four days. Magic. I'm magic. Kinda, also sounds safe. Yeah, well, I'm so kinda, safe. I'm kind of glad he didn't say magic. I would have been disappointed, actually. You know any magic tricks? Uh, I do not. I know. And also, to... learning, learning magic is not on this... Uh, list of things that I wanted to do in 2022. I can't blame you. I know one trick. That's how to make people disappear. And I do that simply by being myself. Oh. I know. They just go away. It's kind of cool. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Kinda. Uh, you live up around uh, like uh, the Corning Glass uh whatever they call it. Is it Institute? The Corning Museum of Glass. There it is. Is that what you wanted to say? Yeah, yeah. Yep. 16 miles from my house. Have you been there? Have you watched them? Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I was there once for a, a high school function and then I ended up missing. I was supposed to go there in elementary school as far part of a field trip, uh, uh, but I was sick that day, so I didn't go. Oh. <laughs> and so the only, so the only time I was there was for a, for like a regional function for, for for achieving highly in high school, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, that's just uh, glass glass blowing is just cool cool shit to me. Yeah. I, I only see signs about it, all, all kinds of stuff. I've been in the, uh, the, uh, oh, what do I want to say? The gift shop. Yeah. The, the gift shop that they have at, at the Corning Museum of Glass, or CMOG, as they will sometimes say locally. Oh. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I only say that because I had a, I had a friend who, uh, worked there once. Doing That's very cool. What are they- low level jobs. Oh, like an apprentice, like just fetching stuff. 
No, not not even that. It was it was more just like janitorial stuff. Oh, well, you got to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, like even the stuff that they have in the uh the gift shop is uh first of all, the gift shop is huge. I believe that. Like it's basically the size of a of a JC penny. But also um like they would just have some amazing shit in there too. Oh yeah, I've watched uh, a lot of their videos on YouTube and they'll live stream it too where they just make these huge ornate projects. And uh you know, for 3 quarters of the video you have no idea what they're doing. They're just going back and forth from the the big oven to a a big metal table and just rolling this glass and then heat it up and roll it some more and heat it up and roll it some more and then they might have somebody blow on the end of the stick while they're rolling it and then back and forth back and forth and then all of a sudden you know it's uh some ornate platter or something that you know is never going to be used um i watched this show i it was on netflix or hulu one of the two called um blown away and it was filmed in canada But the winner got to uh, to have a residency at the the Corning Museum of Glass, and um, oh, that that was really cool because uh, they would just give them like you know uh, uh, a subject to to make a glass sculpture around, uh, you know, like do something about this, and then just make it, and some people would come out with. Just crazy shit and realistic-looking glass pieces. The one season I watched, this lady Deborah was the one that won, and she won by making potatoes. Potatoes. Realistic glass potatoes. I wouldn't oh. have thought about going potato. <laughs> I was about to say, did you uh, did you alert uh, Abel Kirby or Cold Acid about this? Yeah, this was so long ago. This was before they got into the potato news. Um, but maybe they should go watch it because Deborah uh, was no slouch. Like, oh, here's what she says about the potato. But the potato is a powerhouse. Yeah. What does the potato Whoa! represent to you, Deborah? To me, it represents otherness. Okay. Otherness, okay. I know, that, I know uh, that's like legit that, what that's she a, said about the potato. That's a word. <laughs> Otherness. I, I don't personally even know if it is with a that word. theme a lot for myself and for my own work. Yeah. Uh, yes, because because this glass potato is my life's goal. Well, is my is the zenith of my talent is this glass potato. Pretty much, and this is a. What she said, like, this is her motto for herself. Do Deborah. Don't try to do somebody else. Just keep doing Deborah. Quality life advice. Just wait till she goes to Dallas and Deborah does Dallas. <laughs> With a potato. She also made breakfast food that also looked realistic. I am so impressed with just the string of sausages. Yeah, we know, lady. Oh, yeah. that, that just the string of sausages. <laughs> we know what her favorite breakfast food was, is clearly, clearly sausage links, because that's what Deborah made. String of them too. A whole string of them. So many of them, just in a row, just, just, 
she's just going through all of these these sausages just all in a row. Uh, and like watching her make them, you're like, what is she making? She's making like glowing turds. Uh, and then they turned out to be glass sausages, which were pretty close to glowing turds. You know, but once they cooled down, they were a nice, lovely brown. You know how the sausage was made, right? Hey, I saw, I saw how the sausage was blown. So, yeah. I, uh... I also watch these makers, as they call themselves, on YouTube, where they just, you know, they make projects. There's, like, kids invent stuff where they take design ideas from kids and then invent, like, make the thing. And sometimes they're off the wall. There's this guy, James Bruton, that does a whole lot of robotics-type stuff. Uh, he had mentioned something interesting that I was unaware of. It's called uh, Pipe Dream Labs. And uh, what this company wants to do is uh, make a delivery system, like for Amazon or whatever, using these tiny robotic, uh, they're, they're like railbots is what I would call them, because they're tiny little like two-car trains on this tiny rail system underground. And they use them to like deliver shit. Uh, like what kind of shit? Whatever will fit into an 18-inch long robo-rail car. So uh, I'm guessing 18 inches by, what, like 6 inches by another 6 inches? They say... That, that kind of They kinda say train? it's a 18-inch length, 10.8-inch diameter. It will typically... They're 95... Okay, start over. They're able to deliver 95% of the items that are typically delivered to someone's home in in one of these tiny little trains. Uh, you can check it out at i.pipedreamlabs.co. Uh, that's where I'm at. And they go up to 60 miles an hour. And it can deliver from Manhattan to the Bronx in 10 minutes. Oh, boy. It fits inside a 12-inch PVC pipe. Oh no, the 12 inch PVC is like the housing. Never mind. Uh, and it delivers to this weird little box. Now, I don't know where they actually have them. Is this using new infra infrastructure? Well, yes, is it? Tell me. Let's go to the FAQ. Loading. I mean, what what else is, is gonna... What else is gonna be, you know, transported on a... What else is is a is an eighteen by, however, going to be transported on, mm. other than like this little tiny little rail? Exactly. Oh, they're self-powered using onboard batteries. No pneumatic vacuum tubes required. What do you know? Oh, so so they're so they're uh, and they're rechargeable. At least uh, they're at least like nineteen eighties technology. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, as a bonus, using electricity will allow Pipe Dream to pursue exclusive use of clean energy in the future, creating a sustainable and efficient delivery network, along with reducing traffic. Will the cargo pods be driven remotely by humans? Only in rare circumstances, they say. Anytime I, I hear someone say clean energy, I, I only think that 
it's uh, the the jobs are for the accountants who just sit there using Excel spreadsheets, be like, oh, it comes from this source or this. It comes from, you know, it comes from this uh, solar farm and this wind farm, and not you know, mm. or whatever. Yeah, it's a scam. That's, that's how I. That's how I imagine. Uh, Clean energy is is uh, an accounting firm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here at Clean Energy and Associates, we care. How will you decide the system layout slash terminal locations? The pipe dream system layout for a particular service area will depend on a variety of factors, including terrain, existing infrastructure, permit availability, population density, delivery partners, and location of restaurants and stores. Terminal locations will be placed at locations that maximize the number of customers within a quarter mile radius. It'll be uh, it'll be determined by some engineer that is uh, more smarter than the than the person who is uh, writing this blurb for the website. Yeah, how will you pay for the infrastructure installation? In the immediate future, all pilot locations will be self-funded. <laughs> The Pipe Dream infrastructure is designed to be usable by other utility companies, electric, telecom, gas, water, and sewer, if needed, ensuring that the majority of the physical infrastructure can be financed using conventional utility bank loans. This dual use re reduces the risk of installing dedicated infrastructure in the event that Pipe Dream migrates to an alternative delivery method. Star Trek Transporter? is in parentheses or ceases operations yeah which would be more likely how much will uh, it cost to send wait. something money <laughs> i i i'm listening to to narrate this and i'm saying like wait a minute it's uh, it's being funded by potentially the people using this system first and then oh then we can get a loan for this yeah, and then we'll get a loan yeah i think that's I what they're saying yes yeah that that sounds sustainable the cost of individual pipe dream deliveries will depend on a variety of factors there's those variety of factors it's, again especially downstate where they have all that kind of uh disposable income with yeah. with how uh expensive everything is down there the factors are including but not limited to distance mass payload contents as in medical chemical etc uh current network volume and region we aim to provide intra-district deliveries of groceries and prepared food items at a target cost of around 75 cents uh, How much around okay. seventy-five okay, cents are we talking? I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll believe that when they charge seventy-five mm. cents for a delivery fee and not like you know, oh, ten times that. Here we go. At mm. least, will it be safe? The vast majority of the probably not. <laughs> the vast majority <laughs> of the network will be underground, providing inherent safety and security. Our robots can't fall from the sky, drive off the road, or block a sidewalk. Yeah, but it sounds like a it sounds like a maintenance nightmare. Like it you wouldn't really want to be. You 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 wouldn't want to be the guy making, you know, what, $20 an hour to to try and maintain that. You thought working on the subway was a nightmare. Now work on the micro subway. Uh <laughs> Oh, and it is time to hand the no agenda stream off to 
The guys over at Behind the Schemes, Lavish and Booberry. Oh, hells yeah. Hells yeah. Get behind them schemes. And uh, break a leg, fellas. They do a great show. Listen to it live or the recorded version. Either way, you're going to have fun and leave them a scream mail. Uh, I can't think of their number off the top of my head now. Uh, hang on, hang on. SXXY uh, is the last four. I know that much. I almost had this. Serpent's yeah, get si- it. Si- 612-263-7999. There it is. Leave a scream mail for Behind the Schemes right now. And take it away, Booberry. Right. We are clear from the no agenda stream. Still on the hog story stream. Um, what kind of objects can be sent in the pods? Literally anything. What about figuratively? Can I can I send a, a deluxe box CD? Can I can I send a Weird Al's uh, huge compilation in in there? Oh, I forget. Well, I, forget they, what's, I think it's called Squeeze Box. I don't I I don't have that, but I have like all of Weird Al's CDs. What about the Kiss collection that comes with a uh, like six foot tall like figure of Gene Simmons? Oh yeah, that, that, that that'll that'll fit in in one of those in things. segments. It will. Well, they say well anything that is twelve inches or less in diameter and less than sixteen inches long. The cargo volume accommodates 85% of non-furniture e-commerce purchases, 95% of grocery items, and most prepared food items. Pizza is one of the few exceptions, though we're working on it. Well, good luck getting those past the Ninja Turtles, because they love pizza. Uh, oh, seriously, why would you want to ship a pizza in an in a tiny in a train under underground tiny train? Yeah. You might be a weirdo that likes all your toppings on one side of the box. <laughs> I, I clearly. Yeah. Uh, Which is actually kind of like my mom. My mom will... My mom used to... It, it, it used to be when we would order pizza, my mom would try to order like a third of a pizza cheese and two-thirds with... with either pepperoni or something on that and i keep trying to tell her uh pizza shops don't work that way no and besides you're not gonna eat a third of a pizza anyway no that's a a straight way to (laughs) that's how you get your food spit on when you when you make crazy ass orders like that yeah and i really don't see these tiny little pods like delivering a gallon of milk or anything milk weighs a lot and sloshes around and uh, you could derail it. Two gallons I, of milk will derail these little motherfuckers if they're trying to go sixty miles an hour to get it to you. Oh, gee, they, they're they're going to try and ship milk at sixty miles an hour? Were they crazy? They said ninety five percent of grocery items, with the exception of pizza. They cra- they crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I've had experiences where I would like put a gallon of milk on the like the driver's side seat, and then I would hit the brakes, and it would go on to the. It would just fly across and onto the floor and drive. Oh in yeah, the, not the driver's seat, the passenger side seat, and it would it would rupture the uh, the um, it would rupture the the plastic jug oh, that's enough the to make it leak. Yeah, and they're gonna and they're and they're gonna do that on a train. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that yeah. sounds that sounds that sounds great. My uh, paternal grandfather used to drive milk trucks. Um, oh, okay. With like with liquid 
tankers. You know, if you were delivering, say, gasoline or just water, non-potable water, anything, uh, they have baffling inside the tanks to stop the liquid from sloshing around and, like, tipping your truck over. <clears throat> but when it comes to milk, <clears throat> you can't put baffling inside the milk uh, tanks because then you turn that tanker into a butter churn. Yeah. And you'll start, you know, mixing all the fats out of the milk. So there are no <laughs> bafflings in milk trucks. My uh, my granddad, like, almost died uh, rolling over a milk truck. Ugh. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know fully the circumstances as to why he was going so fast. But uh, I know he was a... A, a decent enough driver to know uh, you need to slow down to take turns. But yeah, rolled this milk truck over and it like crushed the cab of his truck. Because like he, he turned, the truck went one way, but the milk kept going the other way. And so you, you really can't. Yeah. The that. way I, the way I'm picturing that in my head, that doesn't look like a, mm -mm. that looks, that doesn't look good. No, no. Um, I've also seen a FedEx driver straight up die on the interstate. Wow. Because okay. on the interstate, you know, you have the uh, exit ramps and they're usually uh, like a curve, a long circular curve. Yeah, 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 yeah. With very clearly posted speed limits around that curve. Generally, they're 15 miles an hour. And they're that, they're that low down there in Texas? Some of them are. And this wasn't even in Texas. This was Ohio. Uh, um, this must have been like must have been like urban Ohio. Yeah, usually yeah. the ones usually the ones around here are usually like uh, anywhere between twenty five or thirty five. Yeah, you see a lot of twenty five, and it pro maybe in my memory it was twenty five. But like the rule of thumb we always went by was uh, on those exit ramps you go ten under whatever the posted speed limit is. So if it oh, was 25, I would have been going 15. Uh, that doesn't stop drivers in New York. Jesus New Christ. or Chicago or N L.A. No, I, I, I'm, yeah. Well, people in, in New York, and, I, and when I say New York, I mean upstate New York. Like I've seen it. Oh, okay. And around here and in Rochester and in Albany, like people will just liberally go 15 miles over the speed limit. Yeah. Just because. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, in like a passenger vehicle, that's one thing. Um, but in a commercial yeah. vehicle, like, you're hauling a lot of weight. You should be safe. Yeah. Where the truck and trailer by itself empty is 26,000 fucking pounds. And then, what, like the max load, I think, is like 80, 85? I forget. But, um, uh, yeah, so... Those safety rules are there, like, for a reason, for safety, like, legit, like, so you don't die. And this driver for FedEx, he was in one of those uh, double trailers. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he just thought, like, fuck that speed limit sign going around this obviously sharp circular turn. I'm just going to go. That or he fucked up and didn't put his truck in gear and was trying to haul ass around that thing in neutral. I don't know. Um, but the uh, the rear trailer started to tip over, which in turn tipped over the middle trailer, 
which in turn dragged the truck around and flipped the flipped the truck around to where when that's that trailer that was directly behind the truck flipped over it landed directly on the cab and flattened it holy oh i mean yeah that sounds i've never seen that, anything like it before that looks ugly yeah, dude that, it was that, flat that, there was no way that driver lived no no way no way i was like holy fuck dude and i was with my trainer at the time and i was like dan i i think i saw somebody die <laughs> and he was like what and i was like do i stop do we have to stop he was like uh no i don't think we need to stop but he called the uh the company we drove for like talk to our driver manager and they're like see uh no you don't need to stop like you know we'll notify the police or whatever but we're pretty sure they're already on the way which they were um but yeah i didn't never get any word of that that guy lived or died but i'm pretty sure he died uh I, that that's yeah that's a good assumption at at the most Dude, it conservative was flat. That, that it was flat the cab yeah. of that truck was flat uh, it was i haven't seen unreal i i i haven't seen anything that bad the the worst that i've personally seen is maybe a a, a truck and just doing one of those 53 foot uh trailers they like they would go into the median and they would be mm-hmm. you know sideways and it was always in a snowstorm Oh yeah, like in a real, like one of those really bad uh, one inch per hour come down snowstorms. Oh yeah, no, I didn't fuck around. There was no cargo yeah. important enough to make me driving that shit. Like, uh, if I didn't feel comfortable driving, I stopped and I called my oh, driver and manager it, and I told him. And if they and, tried and to it, get me back on the road, I just hung up. And in New York, like they they will they will like say they will shut it down they will they will have the sign the you know the the flashing signs to say that like trucks are banned you know that oh, kind yeah. of thing and they should they and they should oh absolutely um this was several several years ago now there was a really bad accident on uh i i, I think it was i-80 like in pennsylvania um where it was the driver's fault completely the driver's fault the the lady was texting on her cell phone while driving a big rig um uh, okay, and it was can... it it had already like snowed and the snow was clear off the road but it was still cold enough it, where the it, mist was freezing you know yeah yeah so there was uh-huh. ice in so there was ice on the, on the road. road yeah there were uh-huh. ice yeah and since she was texting she didn't notice that traffic had come to a dead stop in front of her uh by the time oh, she realized no. it she oh, was no. plowing through vehicles <laughs> like they stopped she didn't she just mowed over vehicles and because she didn't know the drivers behind her didn't know because she didn't hit her brakes and uh so, <clears throat> so they plowed she, into she her must, so she started probably a, a oh my god she a, killed a, a 30 few card people. Bo- she killed a few people and then she got killed because the the guy in the truck behind her who was following too close to her uh didn't see any brake lights so he didn't stop either so 
all the cars that she mowed through, he mowed right through, right along with her. And then when her, the cab of her truck turned sideways, he smashed right into her and went right through her. Oh, God. That's yeah, why you never that's... follow anybody, you know, too close on the fucking road. Like, yeah, it, always and look you want, ahead. You always it, look ahead. And you want to know, the, the other day, which was the dawn, which for, for us was the start of that, like, 40 you know 40 degree fahrenheit temperature drop like oh, yeah, in, in yeah. 60 days i was going home from work and so, and like a couple people were doing that like okay i get that it's 2 days before christmas and you are just too impatient because you're yeah. from corning you're always uh -huh. too impatient if you're from corning of but course. like you shouldn't be you shouldn't be on my ass on the you know anywhere on this road mm -hmm. Is is dangerous? You know it's dangerous. You you came in here thinking it was dangerous. There's there's nothing that important worth dying or killing over. You know? Uh, no, there isn't. If somebody's riding my ass like that, like when I was younger, I used to get aggressive and like slam on my brakes and like brake check them and all that dumb shit. But I learned the best way to resolve that problem is just let off the accelerator. Don't hit your brakes. Don't shoot them the bird. Don't even, don't do nothing. Just yeah, let off your accelerator. They'll get the hint and they'll go around you and they'll probably flip yeah. you off. But you know what? I'll be alive. They might go I, up I, and kill somebody else, but. And that's something I do too. I, I make it a policy. I never flip anybody off. No. Even if they flip me off. Mm -hmm. Even if I, if I, even if I'm the one that does something that, you know, someone probably wouldn't like, I don't, I, I try to ignore it. And if some, and the other side, though, if somebody's dumb enough to get out of their vehicle and want to, like, try and pull me out of mine, I ain't stopping. Like, I'll run your ass over. Well, no, I, I won't do I it quickly either, though. Like, I haven't had that. I haven't had that. I'll just move. That. Like, you're it's either going to move or you're going to get uh, run over. Like, you got two options. But there is no third option of getting me out of my vehicle. I ain't playing that game. Yeah, I, 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 never, I never do that. Nope. Nope. And I do have various implements of equalization in my vehicle just in case somebody m does get me out of it. Uh, but the, the only time I, the only time I've ever gotten out of a vehicle was when I've been in a, in a legitimate accident. Oh, yeah. Like, like, you know, this is totaling my car accident. Oh. Only time that that's a, that I've ever done that. Thankfully, so far, I've only been in one of those, and it wasn't my fault. I've been in three of them. Yikes. Yeah. Any, any yeah, major well, in injuries? Are you ugly? Um, the first I'm one... i if you actually are. The first one I was in, it was... I I, I was actually told I was, I was lucky to be alive to, to come out of that one. Damn. Because I actually ended up, I was coming home from a buddy's house that was on a hill, and I ended up in a ditch on the hill. So there was barely any cell service. Oh, I actually, I actually had to climb up, you know, up, up out of the ditch, like maybe, maybe twenty feet to to uh, get back up to the road. And to this day, I have no idea how that happened. I, I ended up with a concussion, and because Shit. of that, yeah, and then that 
that told the car the second time that I told it was oh that was like a quarter of a mile from my house and I and I collided with another car that that was making this making sort of the opposite turn yeah that I was doing because it 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 requires a a, a, a 90 degree left hand turn to get to my house from the interstate and this other car was and it's a very narrow road where i live on mm. so it's a it's a narrow 90 degrees um and so i and i ended up colliding with this car um the second time how and fast I, were you going I, 10 miles an hour no shit yeah and and it it actually ended up doing a whole bunch of damage to their car because it was an older vehicle so they had like fluids leaking and all that kind of stuff oh yeah um and then the the last car i told i straight up hit a deer with it yikes going going yeah i've hit a deer multiple times now that 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 one time i i i told the car and then uh two times i hit a deer and it did not told the car but I would say the the first time it it screwed up that fusion so bad that that fusion was never the same. Oh, that made it a Ford Fission. Uh, like it, pr- it pretty apart. much. Yeah. It, it, it it was also the the fact that the the body shop didn't do a great job on it, and ah. I I went and I took I took like my newer cars to a different body shop and they they even they said that like yeah those those ford fusions like you do damage to the hood they they never like the new ones they never go back on the same way. oh yeah no I, I knew a lady that had one and it was the transaxles that were always giving her problems oh yeah she had like hit a curb or something avoiding a dog or something like that and it fucked up the rear transaxles she even had it replaced and uh, it still, it would still like wear down one side of the tires, on that one side. Oh yeah. That's why you always take it to click and clack the Tapper Brothers. <laughs> you ever listen to that show? It was on public radio, Car nope. Talk, on NPR. Hilarious. No, I, I it, especially now that I'm a, I'm an adult. The fit, the more than fifteen years I've been an adult, I've just been tuning out um i've been tuning out so much of the uh the mainstream media including public radio and all that oh yeah yeah especially yeah especially since the dawn of no agenda oh for sure and i and i'm one of those people like my first episode of no agenda was episode 13 so oh nice at least i want to say so yeah i i started i started on that you know, v- very early yeah. on in in their life cycle. That's awesome. And yeah, like the main reason I listen to NPR is to uh, ridicule their voices. And, oh yeah, and, and that, practice that's my what, own. You know, <laughs> that's why I like uh, listening to to you and Carolyn is because uh, you can make fun of NPR. <laughs> she does a spot on Mary Louise <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> Which if, if anybody has ever watched uh, uh, Adventure Time. That cartoon, uh, Mary Louise Kelly sounds like the lumpy princess. 
Mary Louise Kelly. She's so lumpy. Um, oh, we got one last voicemail. Oh, hey, it's that uh, old granddad is. Uh, Will he just kick you in the mouth? Seriously? Oh no. <laughs> Theater of the mind. Sorry right about there. that. No, that's uh, entertainment. Is what that is. Whew. At your expense, unfortunately. What'd you say the proof was on that whiskey? 114. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll and for, do. And for, and for those who can't um, can't do the conversion, that's a 67, no, 57% alcohol. Oh, you might be able to light that shit on fire. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. Don't do a flaming shot. Don't do that. Especially uh, if you no. have facial hair. Uh, and I do at the moment. Uh, yeah, we don't need that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's what I was wanting to hit. Uh, how about this last voicemail? All right. Hell yeah. Hit me with Bam. it. Joe Biden said, "Come," and most of them come with a phone number. You're hurting me. Hey. Hey. Uh, hey. All this uh, transporting and trucking talk. Uh-huh. Uh The double trailer. Um, pretty sure it's called a tandem that when you're driving true. double. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the far west, I've heard, never seen it, but it's the west coast. I've heard they can get away with uh, hooking up multiple beyond that. Yeah, you can have I, I don't know if I buy that, that shit, but no, I've seen yeah, it. My, I, I know this because my father was a diesel mechanic and in his retirement, he considered becoming an escort. Mm. And be escort job. driver right, for like wide right. loads, uh-huh. not an actual not the fat bottom loads. escort. But uh <clears throat> oh, yeah, back to back to the subject. Uh, a skill I would like to have. Uh-huh. Hmm. Hmm. I guess I'd take just about any actual skill. Hell, because all I do is practice. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Sir Mycrotch. Yes, he is oh, correct. Yeah. Tandem is the correct term for that, and I have seen uh, uh, the big triples. And yeah, some states don't allow it though. Like you can't drive triples in in certain states. I don't remember which ones though. Uh, I don't. I don't even know if they allow du- the tandems in New York. They may not. Like I've I've seen them, but I think I might have only seen them uh, south of the border. They're. Uh, like I'm not sure. They're. They got to be weird to drive. I've never driven one. The the triples have to be even weirder i mean oh the 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 triples i can't imagine those being safe a 53 at all. foot trailer just a single is bad enough because you're you're driving a sail you're pulling this sail behind your truck essentially yeah and so like the the plain states where it can get really windy uh no i've seen trucks uh, just literally picked up off the road and put into a field yeah and then the thing about New York, especially upstate New York, is it's very hilly. Mm-hmm. Like even, like if you get north and west of the Catskills, it's pretty much it's pretty much all hills. And in fact, going up uh, three ninety to Rochester, <coughs> it's a bit of a, it's a bit of an issue 
because in uh in Steuben County they they'll still have uh they'll still have like a a pretty good uh grade so much that even the even just the the truckers that still have only one uh one trailer they uh they have to put on uh their four ways and uh they end up going like Two. maybe 50 miles an yeah. hour up the up those hills i believe like that. it's crazy oh yeah that's where it gets dangerous too because uh if you don't have your truck in the proper gear when you start going down the hill you're in yeah i was about shit. to say both ways yeah, both yeah. ways both up up the hill and down the hill oh yeah because you can burn your you can burn your pedal brakes out easy if you're in the wrong gear and you're going too fast and then your jake brake isn't gonna do that much um yeah now rule of thumb is like in a big rig uh whatever gear you climb the hill with you put it in a gear lower when you're going down it and you always make sure you put it in that gear before you crest the hill because once your truck starts gaining speed if you take it out of gear it's never going back in a gear until you you know reach the bottom uh and then you might be dead when you reach the bottom Ugh. driving like that yeah. that was a skill that i didn't think i would actually be able to do uh and it was very satisfying to do it and i would do it again uh if the circumstances were right but i like the job i have now so i don't see myself doing that anytime soon i don't yeah, see myself no, being a puppeteer anytime soon either yeah i'm trying to get a new job i'm actually trying to get a get a new job kind of tangentially in the weather industry again neat um yeah it's 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 slightly boring it's uh it's more of a an it uh an it uh i would say maybe not assistant but it's 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 an it position in a in a weather company oh well what you like, do is you doing there well, you just walk in and ask to see the, the head guy, look him dead in the eye and ask him, How do you get a job here, you fuckface? Yeah, except I have to, I'd have to drive five miles, five hours oh. just to get there. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, maybe the fuckface comment is better over the phone. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not at know. all. Maybe. I've seen, I've seen, uh, like, Image shots on uh, Google Maps of inside their company. They were very, uh, they were very. Uh, you got to be clean shaven, clean cut, coming oh. in a in a suit and tie kind of kind of place. Oh yeah. Oh, I see. Very professional. And no, spot the uh, not yeah, spot the mighty Baron, spot the mighty is not the Weather Channel. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're not going to see you on screen it's battling in, the winds. It's in Glens Falls, New York. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a small company. <laughs> well, uh, how how far did did he fall? Huh? How far what did Glen fall? You said he Glen falls. Like how often does he fall? Like every um, week? I don't know. Oh, he doesn't hurt. It's about. next to the Adirondacks, so who knows? Oh, oh hey, that's Herkimer <laughs> Diamond uh, hunting territory up there. They have those quartz crystals they call Herkimer diamonds because they're shiny. Oh, okay. They're kind of neat, but anyway. I know where Herkimer County is. Oh, hey. Also, yes. where, also where the si also what 
where the village of Herkimer is. Hell yeah. Um, before we uh, wrap up this show here, I do want to thank our executive producers for this episode. Uh, oh, hell yeah. We are a value for value podcast. And um, every bit helps. The voicemails, that's, uh, that's value we receive. Uh, the comments in the chat room, value. Uh, re- retooting and tweeting, all that. And uh, monetary value is also appreciated. We didn't get any boostograms in this episode. Um, I don't think. No, I don't see any. Um, but that's okay. Oh, no. But the sats well, also help. For, for what it's worth, I don't see any either. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. Be nice and send these people <laughs> some money so they can stay on the air. How can you do that? Visit our website. You may have heard about it. It belongs to you. That's Christine Lagarde there telling you. And yes, you can send money over the PayPal's, which is a uh, one way to do it. And uh, we had our buddy uh, old BP come in with ten hogaroos this week. Uh, thank you for that. That's a recurring monthly donation. That's uh, very much appreciated. Also, want to thank Node Bit. Node Bit is the man with the plan. He well, helps us out. Of course we do. Of course we do. If you're listening to the Hog Story live stream, it's all thanks to Node Bit hooking us up with that, being ever diligent with the security also, and um, keeping Stacy going. She's the Discord relay bot, where if we did get boostergrams, you'd see them come in live into the chat room uh, as they as they happen. And uh, we also got Chad, and uh, Chad will give us weather. and um, Chad will give us entertainment. All sorts of entertainment. Entertainment. <laughs> Chad, so much justice. So all we need justice. all the justice for Chad. <laughs> and we want to thank Void Zero as well, uh, doing the hard work behind the scenes with uh, the server and all of that. I know they had some issues lately, and he got it all hammered out in a matter of days. I know he had to change out hardware, which I'm sure is a bitch. So uh, thanks, Mark. Oh God. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, hardware is, is a bitch. Well. And thanks to everybody listening live. And, uh, shit, I mean, thanks, Serpent, for jumping in here <clears throat> last minute. Very last minute. Popping oh, the, uh, the podcasting well, cherry. Oh, thank you for letting me just kind of jump on to get the last minute for, I don't know, no good reason. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of reason uh, just to shoot the shit. You, you <laughs> taught me some pretty interesting stuff about weather, uh, for sure. Uh, oh, I like all that's that. That's cool. And then, uh, cool. Yeah, did man just uh, getting to hear your voice too? It's cool. I see you type all the time, and I rarely get to talk to you. So, uh, this is yeah. Well, it's been fun. Yeah, well, it was just uh, you. You sent out the call. I answered the call, and I'm just like, okay, why not? I'll I was do surprised. It. I was surprised. <laughs> I was expecting somebody like a uh, net net or you know some of the. I'm other surprised regulars. too. And you're like, I got a microphone. I was like, hook it up do it and you did and here we are uh thanks this was a this is a cool episode uh this great was, way to it was spend a blast the, the day after christmas boxing day and uh carolyn uh sends her love and we'll send it right back to her and um oh i gotta mention next episode next monday january the 2nd that's episode 333 our guest will be adam curry himself coming in again Oh to shit! Hang out with us. <clears throat> so send your voicemails in, 
right now. You uh, Any questions you got for Adam, send them to us, 430-201-4841. If you've got questions about podcasting 2.0 or aviation or his audio gear, any good conspiracy theories maybe you want to shoot our way, uh, any questions at all for Adam, uh, send us a voicemail, 430-201-4841. We'll play them on the show. Maybe Adam will answer them. <laughs> it's going to be cool. Cause we're gonna talk about some shit for sure and uh, so yeah that's episode 333 good number on january 2nd which is the first month the second day of the first month which adds up to three and then 2022 well that adds up to six three and six is nine that's a good number i don't know what it means but it means something and uh where i mean absolutely nothing i'm i've been fletcher and I, I mean, maybe I mean something? I don't know. I'm Serpent. And you've been in the smoker with us. Thanks again. Tune in next week. Uh, I already said it. Adam's going to be here. Until then, adios, mofos. Adios, mofos. Jack attack. Oh, just skipped. Jack attack. It goes without saying that only clean lingerie should go next to that clean skin. Call up and tell them that you want to keep this station on the air. I really look forward to hearing your views. 